0: So some background, um, because we've we've been going through, last week we looked at uh, chapter 22, starting in verse 22 all the way through the end of chapter 23. Uh, Today we're doing all of, uh, we're looking at all of chapter 24. And so just quick background to to catch us up to speed. Um, Last week we learned that Paul was arrested. Um, He was about to be whipped. Um, This was because he was causing dissension in Jerusalem as he just came back from his travels, his missionary journeys. And... Um, He was about to be whipped by the Romans because the Romans wanted to know what was going on, and he shouts out, he tells them, um, he didn't really shout out, he kind of nonchalantly tells them, "Um, I'm a Roman citizen, do you do this to all all Roman citizens? Um, That changed everything, and they quickly released him with apology. Um, But the Romans still wanted to know what was going on, and so they brought him in front of the Jewish council. And Paul, Paul speaks truth from the beginning, and he doesn't hold back to them. He shares the hope of the resurrection, uh, and this causes a big fight between the Jewish leaders because the Sadducees uh, didn't believe in the resurrection, they didn't believe in angels, um, but the Pharisees did. And so uh, this caused infighting within the J- Jewish leaders. And so the Romans actually pulled him out of there again for his own safety and put him back in jail. He said, you're going to stay here. This is for your own good. And then Jesus actually shows up to Paul and he says you've done great work here in Jerusalem and uh, the rest of your missionary journeys. It's time for you to go be a witness in Rome and go back to the Gentiles. Uh, The next day, the Jewish leaders finally came to an agreement, and they said, you know what, we can agree on. We might not agree on the resurrection. We might not agree on angels, but we agree we should kill Paul. Good good union. Um, And so Paul's nephew uh, overhears this And as a young boy, with courage, brings it to the Roman captain. Uh, The Roman captain decides enough was enough, and it was time to get Paul out of there. So he gathered about 500 soldiers to present Paul safely to Governor Felix. And the captain wrote a letter explaining exactly what had happened. So Paul was sent on to Caesarea and was delivered with a letter to the governor. Paul was locked up in King Herod's quarters until his accusers showed up. If you remembered, um, kind of the main point, the main paragraph that we started with was that God's purpose and plans are not thwarted by his enemies. He uses the citizenship of Paul to spread the gospel for his glory last Sunday, and then following through to this Sunday, and for the good of mankind. He was using his citizenship here on earth to bring people into the citizenship of heaven, both Jew and Gentile. And uh, from a devotional that I closed last ser- the last sermon with, that Christ said Paul was going to Rome, and that was that. No ambush can stand against the promise of Christ. Until he got to Rome, Paul was immortal. There was a final testimony to be given, and Christ would see to it that Paul would give it. And then in our scripture reading, we'll hear Paul give another testimony. As well, so let's go to God's Word and read from Acts 24, um, which is in your bulletins. And after five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and a spokesman, one Tertullius. They laid before the governor their case against Paul. And when he had been summoned, Tertullius began to accuse him, saying, "Since, um, since through you, uh, since through you, we enjoy much peace, and since by your fo- foresight." Most excellent Felix, uh, reforms are being made for this nation. In every way and everywhere, we accept this with all gratitude. But to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. For we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to find out from him but everything of which we, uh, which we accuse him. The Jews also joined in the charge, affirming that all these things were so. When the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied, Knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. You can verify that it is not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem, and they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward God and man. Now after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and present offerings. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumults. But some Jews from Asia, they ought to be here before you and make the accusation, should they have anything against me. Or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council. Other than this one, Thing that I cried out while standing among them, it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am a trial before you this day. But Felix, having rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off, saying, when Lysias, uh, "When Lysias, the tribune, comes down, I will decide your case." Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, but have but have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. After some days, Felix came with his wife, uh, Drusilla, who was Jewish and sent uh, for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about the righteousness and self-control in the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed. He said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that uh, that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by a Porcius Festus. And desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. So Paul gets uh, brought to the governor. Um, He is awaiting arrival, the arrival of his accusers. And finally, within a week, they show up. And there's a few of them. There's the high priest, Ananias who was there at Paul's trial uh, before in Jerusalem. There are elders who, uh, presumably, uh, some of them were there as well. And then they decided to bring, uh, basically, a lawyer uh, to Tullus. And this lawyer brings three accusations against Paul. They accuse him of inciting riots wherever he goes. They uh, accuse him of being a ringleader of the sect known as the Nazarenes. Very ominous. And they also accuse him of profaning the temple. So let's start with the first one. Uh, Paul inciting riots wherever he goes. And there's there's some truth to this. Um, It's not that Paul is actually trying to incite riots, but somehow, um, in some ways, and for different reasons, riots seem to break out. If you remember from, um, I think it was a few months ago, when we were talking about Paul in Ephesus, and there was a riot there, because the way Christianity... Had caused such a drastic change in the economic system within Ephesus. When these many people coming to Christ, and they're no longer part of part of the um, idolatrous, e- idolatrous economic system, or the, the making and buying and selling of idols uh, to bring to the temple Artemis, um, and, and a riot went out uh, because the whole economic reality, the whole economic system of Ephesus was changing and people were losing business because many had come to Christ and now were buying idols. Right, The people making them were losing business and there's this riot broke out. In Jerusalem, these Jewish leaders are causing an uproar because Paul was, um, at least in their accusations, profaning the temple. Um, he was inciting riots because um, he said that he believed in the hope of the resurrection and that caused problems within the Jewish leadership and their arguments... Um, And this is kind of why they lead with this, because they're hoping that this move, this accusation, would get the attention of Governor Felix. Uh, Because as a Roman leader, as a Roman governor, um, they knew that he would not stand for any insurrection, any strife, any problems within Rome. This is his duty to squash these things, to keep the peace and the glory of Rome. If this man was causing a problem uh, all over the Roman Empire, he couldn't let Paul go unpunished. His entire administration had been marked by having to put down one insurrection in in Judea after another, and he he has in the past done so very decisively and cruelly. His governorship was basically maintaining peace in Rome at any cost prison, torture, death, whatever it took. They accuse him of being a ringleader of a sect known as the Nazarenes. Their lawyer implies that Christians as a whole were dangerous, mutinous, and that Paul was one of their main leaders. And so such a charge would be made and a stick on Paul as true this would be um, an indictment on the whole christian community that this leader in the christian community is dangerous he's divisive christianity as a whole is a movement that needs to be stopped and squashed it's a dangerous revolutionary movement fortunately our could not substantiate these charges uh, and, and Felix, as I said in our text, was already too informed about Christianity to take these things seriously. And then, lastly, they accused him of profaning the temple. So earlier, earlier in Acts, Paul was accused of profaning the temple. He was accused of bringing a Gentile into an area of the temple where Gentiles were not allowed to be because they were unclean. They were unclean people, not like the Jews. It was meant only for them. And this is one area the Romans would allow the Jewish people to enforce uh, their own kind of empire, their own arena, was anything that had to do with their religion in the temple. And so their hope was maybe that Governor Felix would then send Paul back to them to be judged. Well, if these first two accusations did not work, maybe his profaning the temple would allow Governor Felix to send him back to us and. More than likely, we would put they would put Paul to death. However, there's no evidence to substantiate this claim. They basically they basically came before Governor Felix with an unloaded weapon. They had no evidence to substantiate any of these claims, and so uh, Governor Felix nods to Paul, right, and his authorities. Okay, it is now time for you to speak and make your defense. And so Paul makes his defense. And how does he make his defense? There's that one word that's in there that kind of stands out. It says, cheerfully. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I I would be cheerfully making my defense knowing that prison might await me for the rest of my life or even uh, death. But he cheerfully makes his defense. they, They cannot prove any of this. I follow the way, the God of our fathers, right? the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Felix, even though he's a Roman governor, the Jewish leaders there, all know what he means when he says, I follow the God of our fathers. The same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The same God you believed in. Said Believing everything from the Jewish scriptures. The same as these men right here. We share in the resurrection of the just and the unjust, the wicked and the righteous. Paul takes a turn here because he's now speaking of the resurrection of all people. Where before, he only spoke of the hope of the resurrection for those that believed. And now he's saying that everyone will be resurrected, both the just and the unjust, the wicked and the righteous. To mention the resurrection of the unjust could only really imply and mean one thing, that Paul was alluding to the judgment that that awaited those who were not in Christ Jesus. He was not about to miss this opportunity for a witness, because if you remember, Jesus himself said, you're going to Rome. Paul had confidence in Christ Jesus, knowing that whatever he said, however much he gave his witness, he would not be dead until he reached Rome, because he had a ministry there to the Gentiles. He was immortal until his last testimony. Even for the Gentiles present, right, who might not comprehend the idea of resurrection, would have some understanding of judgment. And Paul, again, using his citizenship for the gospel and for the good of mankind and for the glory of God. He's now using his, this opportunity as a Roman citizen to bring the good news, not only again to the Jewish leaders who are hard of hearing and only hear... Paul's execution. That's all they can think of. Paul's judgment to the Roman Empire, at least to themselves. But he's now using his citizenship to be a witness to the leaders of the Roman Empire, starting with Governor Felix and Lord willing, in the coming weeks to Caesar, as we continue through Acts. And you remember from last week that the resurrection was the point of Um, divisiveness within the the Jewish council. They started arguing so much amongst themselves that they basically forgot all about Paul. Because The Romans took him and they're probably still there arguing now about the resurrection, about angels, about the spirits, about these things. The Sadducees didn't believe in it and the Pharisees did believe it. And here, though, he's making an appeal that the resurrection has already happened. So think about that. Before the Jewish council, he speaks of the hope of the resurrection. And here he's speaking that the resurrection has already begun in Jesus Christ. I was reminded of um, the Gospel of John in John 5. Um, one of the the, right, the verily, verily statements, one of the truly, truly statements. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and, it, and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. So do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the, in the tombs, all who are in the grave, will hear his voice and come out. For those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And now let's, I don't want to get caught on the good and the evil here um, because we know from Scripture that no one, no one is good, no one is righteous, not one, apart from Jesus Christ. And that's what that means. Not that like, all oh, the good deeds I've done, I've balanced, I have the scale and the good deeds I did were outweighed the evil and therefore I'm going to be judged for life and righteousness. No, it's only because of Jesus Christ, only because of him. And that should give us great hope. So Paul and John and his gospel are overlapping here in the idea that there will be a final resurrection. There will be a resurrection when Jesus Christ, um, King of kings and Lord of lords, in his glorious power will call forth those who have died to rise up for judgment. For those that have repented and believed and put their faith in him will rise in life, and those that have not will rise in judgment Paul still making his plea. Basically, he says, I've been gone from Jerusalem for five years. I wasn't even really there. I've only been back about 12 days, and three of those days I've been in prison. He's like, I was clean, I was purified, I visited the temple without any issues. There were no riots when I was there, no tumult. He then begs the question, where are these Asian Jews? who are accusing me of profaning the temple with a Gentile, bringing this Gentile into an area of cleanliness. Where are they? They should be here accusing me in person. Why didn't these Jewish leaders bring them? If this was such an important event, I was being, my case was going before the governor of this area, where are are they? I thought this was, this was a case against me, and, and yet there's no real witnesses here? No evidence? Well, we can only speculate why they weren't there, but more than likely there was actually no credible witness to this accusation. Just lies being spewed forth by the leadership in order to find Paul guilty. He says, if these Jews aren't here, let these men who've come. This, this chief priest, the highest of the leaders... These elders, they're supposed to be wise leaders, wise men among these, the Jewish people. This lawyer who has come even. What did I do so wrong before the council? Other than this one thing, I cried out before standing among them. It's with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you today. Basically, he's saying, there's no crime here. I did nothing wrong. There's no evidence to find me guilty. Felix is basically like, you know, you're right. (laughs) Um, So he sends Paul back to prison. He says, let him have some freedom. Let his friends minister to him. The leaders, the Jewish leaders, head on back to Jerusalem. Um, But we'll call this the section of the text with the procrastinating governor. because he doesn't really want to deal with the situation. He's actually intrigued by Paul. He actually he calls for his wife to come down, and they spend time listening to Paul talk about Jesus, talk about his righteousness, our unrighteousness, the coming judgment, self-control. And so he, 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 he's familiar with the way. He's familiar with Christianity. And yet he calls his wife to come on down, He's a, who's, actually, um, who's actually Jewish. Actually, his wife comes down, like, let's listen to this. And so Paul's expounding the scriptures. He's telling him about Jesus, about how great he is, about how we are sinners and we need the, the grace of Jesus Christ. And then it says, Felix was alarmed by this. And he sent Paul away until a later time and hoped Paul would bribe him. This was um, against the law at the time, bribing, as it is today. Probably good, good to be a law that we that is uh, it's something illegal to do. Um, but it was one of those things that like everybody did kind of under the table, um, and it was you know turn a blind eye to the illegal things going on. Sometimes like today, like today, uh, not too different two thousand years ago. Um, and he's hoping to get money from Paul, but he still invited Paul to come before him, and they talked over these two years on an ongoing basis. Um, But little did uh, Governor Felix and his bride trying to get Paul out of prison that this was just a stop on, I call this Paul's prison evangelism tour, on his way to Rome, on his way to bring the gospel before Caesar. Then Felix was removed from office. He waited around too much. One commentary writes this, that the corruption and brutality of his administration finally caught up with Governor Felix. And an incident of civil strife in Caesarea between the Jewish and Gentile communities there, which Felix mismanaged with a deadly anti-Jewish bias, led to his downfall. This provoked the Jews to send an angry delegation to Rome, protesting his actions, which ultimately resulted in his removal. So he thought this was a cushy job he had the rest of his life, kind of do whatever he wanted to do. And yet, the way he ruled was his downfall. And this new governor, Porcius Festus, succeeded Felix and left Paul in prison. But we still remember that Christ himself called Paul to go to Rome. And that no governor, no enemy will thwart the plans of God Almighty. And Felix put off dealing with Paul. And Felix, more importantly, put off dealing with Jesus Christ. A PCA pastor down in Jackson, Mississippi, Derek Thomas, he puts it this way. He says, my friends, I think this is so true. My friends, there's a terrible lesson here. There's a lesson about procrastination. When the Spirit of God is moving in your heart and in your soul, when the Word of God begins to do its work, and to convict you of sin and righteousness and judgment to come, that's the Spirit's work. And he asks the question, what will you do? Because Governor Felix, the procrastinating governor, put it off and put it off and put it off. Paul was there for two years and Felix goes to him learning more. Well, I just need to learn more. I just want to learn more. Maybe he'll bribe me. But what, why did he put it off? Why do some of us put it off? Maybe you right now. Why have you put off dealing with Jesus Christ? Well, Governor Felix put it off for the sake of the things of this world. Money. Like Felix hoping for a bribe from Paul. Hearing these words, hearing about the grace of Jesus Christ. The word of God going forth from Paul. And Governor Felix saying, no. He's cauterizing his heart to the Spirit's work here, turning his back to it for the sake of the bribe that he might not, he might get for the worldly things. So the question is asked: You think Egypt is better than the Promised Land? You think the things of this world are better than Christ? Right? Instead of looking back, you look forward. We're not looking back like those in Egypt. We're looking forward to a life with blessings, the blessings of the chains of slavery. Instead of looking to Christ, uh, we see the free meat of Egypt. I always think that's that's so fascinating that, it was like, well, remember that amazing free meat we had in Egypt? It wasn't free, you were literally slaves. And they fed you only enough to keep you going. Felix may have thought, as so many have thought, that Jesus Christ will always be there. Paul will always be there. And I'll always be able to hear about Christ when I want my fix, when I need Him. There's no urgency in my coming to Christ because He is there. For two years, this Felix was speaking with the Apostle Paul about Jesus, and he waited, and he waited, and he waited. That begs the question, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Paul's journey wasn't just from Felix, from Jerusalem to Felix to Caesar. Paul's journey is literally for us and for you in July 8th, 2018, that we might hear of the folly of Felix, not turning to Christ for his salvation, but looking for a bride, looking for temporary money from Paul, not looking for the glorious, eternal realities of the risen Christ Jesus. Paul here is calling you to Christ. Jesus himself is calling you to himself. He's saying, come you who are heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Come to me, sinner. Come to me as a slave. He says, come and know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. The lesson here is that procrastination is over and that salvation is here. May you know it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ. We thank you for Paul and his witness to Governor Felix, his witness before the Jerusalem Council, and his witness to us nearly 2,000 years later. God, we pray that we might not be like Felix this governor who, who saw Paul as just a means to more money, a means to better finances, just hearing about Jesus as some um, sideshow. When he wanted him to just pull out Paul and to hear about the way and about Paul's life. God, that, but that Jesus Christ might be real and true and better than anything that we could imagine. that Jesus Christ came to save sinners just like Paul, just like me, just like you. Let that be a true reality for us, we pray in your name. Amen.